Hi, Laura. Thanks so much Hello. for joining us on Britain's Birth Stories podcast. It's very exciting. <laughs> Would you love to tell us uh, where you're based and who is in your family? Yes. So, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm in the northeast. Um, live in South Tyneside, born and bred northeast. Um, we are a family of four. So, there's myself, my husband, Joe, and two children. We've got Lucas, who is five and iris who just turned one in october oh amazing and and uh, would you mind sharing what's your profession at the moment apart from taking care of yourself and family so i work for a distillery i work for durham distillery so we make gin vodka uh, lots of nice things um very very varied and interesting job i actually really love it and i'm very fortunate because it's really flexible so um i sort of have three days that i work but if I need to change them or I need to finish early, start late, swap, you know, yeah. whatever, it's not an issue. So it fits really nicely. And it helps that it's something I really enjoy doing as well, you know. That's great. It's nice to talk to people about gin, let's be honest. Everybody yeah. wants to talk to you when you tell them that you work, work well, with alcohol. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You've got it all, haven't you, at this point? <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks so much for sharing that. And let's uh, go into your pregnancy with. Lucas, was this something that you'd thought of or did it just happen? No, no, it was it was planned. Um we had gotten married in the July yeah. and it always kind of thought we probably wouldn't wait that long. Um we, we knew we wanted children and when it was around about the Christmas time we, we did I think what a lot of people do and just sort of said, Oh we'll we'll just we'll just see what happens. Um and then in January February time, when was it? Let's have a look. Yeah, so it was sort of end of January. Um, yeah. found out I was pregnant. So I was very, very lucky that it happened so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because and I, I have a lot of friends who have struggled. Um, and it was it was a bit of a shock actually. I think I was sort of you know you see that that positive result. Yeah. And at the time, you know, I had no no symptoms or anything. Um, you know, I wasn't feeling sickly or bloated or anything. And I was like, this doesn't, is this, is this real? Is this, has this happened? So I did, again, what I think a lot of people do. And I must have taken about six tests. Um, right. a different brands, different coloured dye or, you know, all of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, still was coming back positive every single time. Um, and it's a really, I think it's a really odd thing when you first find out that you're pregnant because you're, it's this massive piece of news to you. Yeah. You know, you don't, you ring your doctor and your doctor tells you to book in with your midwife and your, your midwife says, yeah, I'll see you in, you know, a few weeks' time. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> what, do I do? what do I do now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we were, like, we were thrilled. We were really happy. And it was first grandchild on both sides. So, oh. um, but it was, I, I think we were both just genuinely shocked that it happened so fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, obviously... As time goes on and, you know, you start to get a bit of a bump and things like that, it starts to feel a bit more real. You, know, you have your first scan and things like that. Um, but, yeah, ultimately it was just shock. That was the, the overriding emotion, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, definitely, especially since it's both first grandchild on both sides. That <laughs> There's sort of what I can imagine is not underlying pressure, but that underlying expectation of just something that's so amazing all the time. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. And and how was the pregnancy overall for you? I was very lucky. Um, I had 
really straightforward pregnancy um no you know issues with anything like blood pressure or iron levels or a lot of the sort of typical things you would get yeah um around about must have I probably would have been maybe six or seven months pregnant um there was a slight discrepancy with measurements um where the the first set of measurements had been done by the community midwife the second set had been done by a student and the third set was done by the normal community midwife and there was a bit of a discrepancy so it refers for a growth scan um which came back absolutely normal which they thought it would but it was you know something that it's so easy to check was kind of the the attitude towards it that let's just just send you i am quite tall as well um Mm -hmm. and it's something i've found since i've had kids that a lot of my friends who are tall have the same issue because you've got a longer torso yeah i think it's more difficult to get that bump measurement Mm -hmm. um because there's obviously more space for baby spread out and stuff um so i did have a a growth scan at about i want to say seven and a half months pregnant but as i said it was totally normal um and i had a little bit of pelvic pain but that was quite late on really Mm -hmm. um not i didn't struggle with it all the way through or anything like that um but really to to be honest quite a textbook pregnancy i was very very lucky um Mm. a little bit during the beginning i used to find when i first woke up i felt a little bit sick um but i never really actually threw up um and the worst thing the thing that used to make me feel the worst was brushing my teeth which obviously is a bit of a nightmare Um, (laughs) so i used to just have to sort of hold my breath brush my teeth and hope that that was that was okay um but that again passed by about 12 or 14 weeks that i'd gone so i was very lucky amazing amazing and and had you thought about how and where you'd like to give birth at at this point um i always had a bit of a vague idea um I'm quite, you know, I was always fascinated by it. I would always talk to friends, family, you know, who had babies. I was, was really interested in it long before I'd ever thought about having kids. Um, and in South Chinside, we're quite lucky. So I had the choice of um, the QA hospital, which yeah. is near us, um, South Chinside Hospital and the RVI in Newcastle. Yeah. Um, and at the time, and I don't know that I've ever seen this since, and everybody I've spoken to about it says it has this blank look on their face when I tell them, but there was a website that you could use um, where you basically filled in information about you, um, what your preferences were, how you felt about pain relief, all these sorts of things. And it would rank the, the facilities in your area against what your preferences were. Yeah. Um, so the top result actually was a standalone midwife unit and we weren't quite brave enough to think that that was for us Mm -hmm. but the RVI seemed like a perfect option because as well as having a birth and centre um it also has just on another floor a fully equipped you know um, delivery suite and everything so if you do have to transfer or whatever you're just going up in a lift you're not having you know I've had friends who've had to transfer mid-labour and ambulances and things like that and that, that just didn't I didn't want to get into that my hope was that I'd have a really straightforward birth. Um, I really, really wanted water. I loved being in the bath, and I just thought this sounds like a perfect fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, really, really wanted to be in the water, at least for some of it. Whether or not I actually had the baby in the water, I wasn't too fussed about. But that was sort of my aim. Yeah. Um, and in terms of pain relief, hope that I could kind of go 
was out, but I didn't have any strong feelings. So yeah. I was very much of the mindset that if I'd had the, you know, I got got to the hospital, was in labour, got in the water, got the gas in there, and that just wasn't cutting it. Mm-hmm. Wasn't above going, you know what, I need something more. Can we, can we transfer upstairs and have an epidural? Because I've never done it before. And really, I've never had any way of testing my pain threshold, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, I've not broken the bone, I've not and things like that so I don't know you know I could get into labour and think this is the most horrendous thing that's ever happened to us and I, I absolutely can't cope for a second more so I kind of went in I had this this vague idea but I was open-minded and the, the hospital that we chose seemed to be the best one to cover as many options as possible yeah, um yeah, right. the, the midwife that I had actually was very very supportive of a home birth um which again I'd heard from friends that live in different parts of the northeast they hadn't had but when I explained why we chosen the RVI and what I was looking for, she was actually, you know, you, you, I was 29 at the time. Um, I didn't have any, you know, complexities with the pregnancy. She was like, there's no reason why you couldn't try for home birth. You know, that, that would absolutely be absolutely fine. And um, I just wasn't quite brave enough for that. Right. No, <laughs> but it was no. nice to know that that option was there, that, that it was supported and it wasn't sort of a, oh, you can do it if you want, or, oh, you know. Yeah. Um, it was quite open and keen about it. So, um, as I said, we, we didn't go for that because we weren't quite that brave. Um, but it was nice to know that that option was there. Yeah, definitely. It, it's nice to hear also that you were informed about it. It wasn't just something that was left until you asked. Yeah, and I think because when we were discussing, you know, why I chosen to be booked at the RVI and, you know, I, to be honest, I never even really seriously considered a home birth. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sure there are people that knowing that the midwife was supportive and stuff might have felt that bit braver to do it. Yeah. Um, and as I said, I know I have got friends in other parts of the, both in the country and just in the North East who've said that they haven't had that support. Um mm-hmm. And it, it's it's a shame, because um, mm. I think that some of them do feel like they missed out a bit. Um, so it was, I was really pleased with that. But, you know, as I say, she really, she wanted to make sure I knew what all of my options were, yeah. and that I hadn't, you know, ruled anything out, sort of thing. Amazing, that's great to hear. And and in terms of your labour, how how did that begin and progress for you? So um, I'd been due to finish work at 38 weeks um and it got to the Wednesday of that week and I was just I'd had enough I think if I'm honest I was so tired um and I just went in to our manager and I was like I I just can't do this anymore and she's like that's fine don't worry about it and I was like I'll come in this is the Tuesday I'll come in tomorrow finish off all the bits I need to finish and then I I think I'm I need to take an extra couple of days leave and she's like no problem um so I finished work on the Wednesday and, you know, everybody tells you, your first, your first baby will go over. So I was trying to work as late as possible so that it covers as long as possible off after with the baby. Yeah. Um, and I had some bits and pieces I needed to do, but I had hundreds of time. So I finished on a Wednesday um, and we had my in-laws visiting that weekend because it was a great North Run weekend. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> so they came to stay um and I didn't, we normally sort of, we live near the halfway point. So we normally go to the halfway point and things. And I didn't bother that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the following week, I did all the typical, you know, I 
did some vinyl stuff with the hospital bag and all that kind of thing. Still thinking I probably had at least a week or two, at least. Um, and I think I'd seen the midwife uh, 38 weeks on the Tuesday. Yeah. And she said, okay, well, I'll see you. See you on your due date then. I said, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. Um, and then what had been happening was me husband had been going into work early in the morning, so he was trying to get in at like super, super early in case anything happened during the course of the day and to try and get ahead of stuff knowing he was going to be off at some point soon. Yeah. So he was actually leaving the house at about, oh God, it must have been about 20 past seven, half past seven in the morning. And I woke up and I'd been tossing and turning and I thought, oh, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to the loo. And then sometimes that sort of getting out of bed, getting back into bed and I might get another hour or so. Mm-hmm. And I got up and I took about five steps from our bed to our ensuite door and my water's broke. Oh, wow. And it was, you know, in the um, antenatal classes, we'd covered all of it. It might not be like it is in the films. It might be, you know, a trickle. It might be this. It might be this. this was a full on, like the floor was soaked. Um, <laughs> I'm pleased that we didn't have carpets down. I'm pleased it was like wooden flooring. Um, and I just sort of stood and shouted and he was like, yeah. And I went, um, I, th- I think I think my waters have just broke. I mean, I don't know why I said I think it, there was nothing else that it could have been. Yeah. But <laughs> at that time, again, because I was just surprised because everybody tells you, you know, you're going to go overdue with your first baby. Um, so he came upstairs, found me in the ensuite, and I was like, can you get towels? Can you know? Um, and luckily, um, the walk's clear, so there was nothing really concerned yeah. about um so i rang rang the birthing center told them i was 38 weeks um my waters had gone was i sure it was my waters yes i was as certain as i probably could be that it was my waters but they were clear and it was fine and she said okay um are you having any contractions and i was not having a hint of a contraction nothing yeah. um so she said they might start yes now your waters have gone but you need to come in for us to check. There's no great rush. Don't worry about it. You know, if your waters are clear and you feel fine, you know, there's nothing. It doesn't need to be. You don't need to rush into the car immediately. But, right, you know, yeah. Get yourself ready and bring yourself in sort of thing. So at this point, I rang my mum. She was coming to be with us as well. Um, so she drove through. We all tro- trooped off to the, um, the hospital um, and checked yes it was definitely my waters um but you know wasn't nothing was happening I wasn't dilated baby's head was still relatively high yeah. uh, nothing nothing was happening so she said you know you can go home do as much as you can you know get on your birth and ball try and walk up and down the stairs try and you know just encourage things along but I think your waters have probably gone because your baby although he was head down um I didn't know he was a boy at that point no. yeah. we didn't find out oh, um although he, he was head down his back was wasn't at the front or the back he was on the side right and she said I think he's just in a funny position I think baby's just in a funny position as you've stood up that's why your waters have gone because you've been lying down you've stood up and you know the weight settled and that's why um so I suspect that not much might happen but go and try and in the meantime we'll book you in for induction um in i can't remember how many hours it was going to be but it was going to work out to be like two o'clock in the morning or something (laughs) so she said you know we'll be here (laughs) doesn't make any difference to us but would you rather come in at like 10 11 o'clock 
bit more, you know. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. So came home um, and it was a very odd day because, again, a bit like when you find out that you're pregnant, you know what's happening. You know, we rang Joe's parents, my husband's parents, they lived in Manchester at the time and said, it's going to be, you know, my waters have gone now, you're sort of on a bit of a clock. Yeah. But whether it's, well, I don't know if it's going to be today, it could be Monday, it could be, we don't know. So you don't need to jump in the car and rush up, but, mm-hmm. you know, sort of start making your plans. Um, and didn't tell anybody else that we, you know, that my waters have gone or anything. So we potted on, we did some things in the house um, all the time, me on my birthing ball, up and down the stairs, nothing, just nothing, nothing was happening. And then it got to around tea time. Um, and when I'd gone in, they said, obviously, there is a risk, a higher risk of infection now that the waters have been broken. Mm-hmm. So what we want you to do is every two hours, I think it was, or it might have been a little bit longer than that, I had to take my temperature with a disposable temperature strip. Right. Um, and they said, if your temperature creeps up, um, you need to contact us because we'll want to get you in straight away. Yeah. Um, and obviously reiterated that your movements the baby's movements should carry on as normal um and he'd always been very active throughout the whole pregnancy he'd been you know a lot of movement a lot of big movement mm-hmm. um pretty much all times of the day so it got to about probably about five o'clock six o'clock and i, I just and i still to this day don't know if this was psychological or if he had slowed his movements a bit but i was like this just is, i don't know i so, of course, we rang them and they said, you know, no doubt about it, just come in and we best check. Um, and we were kind of prepared that if I was going in then, I probably wasn't coming back home because, you know, I was going in to be induced at like 10, 11 o'clock anyway. Mm-hmm. So we went in, put me on the monitor, checked his movements. Of course, he was absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> moving about loads by the time we got to the hospital. Mm. Um, and she did say, you know, it could be just that you're feeling them differently because there's less fluid now. Um, on all of these things you don't really think about in yeah. advance that obviously yeah. you know you've had this massive bag of waters and all of a sudden the majority of that's gone um so the movements maybe do feel different um so then she said you know it's, it's like by the time i'd gotten in they'd had us on the monitor for an hour and stuff it was about half past eight mm-hmm. quarter nine and she said i don't know if you just want to go and have a wander and a coffee um and then come back at i think it was 10 o'clock i was coming back so we said, yeah, then, you know, we're not going to drive home to drive back. So went away, came back, um, sat around for a while. And then she said, OK, I'm going to do an examination. Um, and if I'm honest, obviously you'll hear more about what happened with later on and stuff. Yeah. That examination was probably the worst part of giving birth to me. Oh, God. Genuinely. Mm-hmm. It was. I mean... And she did say, I'm really sorry, this might be uncomfortable. Um, and they inserted the pessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, the thing is, because, you know, your cervix is not dilated, it's not softened or anything, it, it will be quite uncomfortable and I'm really sorry. And But she did at least, you know, she tried her best. Is what yeah. I'm trying to say. That, you know, and I think I felt a bit better knowing that she knew that I wasn't being dramatic. That's probably not the sort of thing I should say, really, because not being dramatic if it's painful but that was genuinely one of the worst parts uh, mm-hmm. of, of having a baby yeah. um so she popped that in and said we're kind of just leave you now basically um i was in a room but there were other beds
beds in the room, but there was nobody else happened to be in. So right. I think it was, it was two or three beds, but I was the only person in. So Joe and my mum came home and they said, obviously, if anything happens, we'll ring you. But, you know, and there I was and there I stayed. Um, nothing. And maybe, maybe the odd Braxton Hicks type contraction, but nothing of any significance that I noticed. Right. Um didn't really sleep you know you're trying your absolute best to get some sleep because everybody tells you to get rest and you can't you're not in your own bed and you know mm-hmm. um oh yes and by this point I had the super sexy surgical stockings on as well <laughs> yeah. which were, were a highlight um <laughs> I don't think until you've ever had them on you realize exactly how tight they are um, <laughs> and getting this poor nurse trying to get get them on to me it like nine months pregnant as I say I'm not a small like I'm, I'm five foot eight so I'm got quite long legs <laughs> so they came around about seven o'clock the next morning and um honestly I was dreading them saying we need to examine you um because of how painful it had been the night before yeah. and um she said so is there anything happening I mean I'm guessing not because you haven't buzzed us or anything and I said nothing not a thing and she said all right, okay, I'm not going to bother putting you through an examination. And I was, the relief that that brought, because mm-hmm. I've heard so many horror stories about people being, like, not forced into having examinations they didn't want, but feeling like they didn't really have a choice, that yeah. it, there wasn't really another option. And I just immediately, I was like, oh, God, I feel so much better. You know, um, and she said, no, you know, based on what the, it was a different midwife to the one that before, based on what she's written in your notes um, and what you're telling me, there's no point in doing it just for the sake of doing it and I was like oh oh right okay I feel much better and she said so normally what we would do at this point is we'd give you a second pessary mm-hmm. but your waters have been gone quite a while now and to be honest by this point it was a Saturday she said we might get busy later so we're not going to bother and if you're all right we're just going to put you straight on the um what's it called this the yeah yeah the drip yeah the, the hormone drip um and I said, yeah, that's fine by me. Because again, thinking, don't want to have to go through having another pessary. And that's, that was horrendous. And it didn't even do anything. Mm-hmm. So um, with hindsight, we don't now know if actually maybe it might have done more than we realised. But you, you'll probably understand a bit more about that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so it's about half past seven by this point. My mum and me, my husband come back. Um, I meet my midwife. Um, she comes to put the cannula in. And again... That was one of the things I was most nervous about. Mm-hmm. I wasn't nervous. This is ridiculous, I know, but I wasn't nervous about giving birth. But having a cannula put in really sort of freaked us out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then said, you know, we'll put you on, whatever. I can't remember what the dosage was. But basically, we put it on. We leave you for half an hour. Nothing's happening. We double it. We leave yeah. you for half an hour. Nothing's happening. We double it. And I was like, okay. And that just keeps going until something happens. She said, pretty much and if nothing happens then we take a view on what else we need to do okay and I was like right okay so I read all and I had all these intentions of like even if I ended up upstairs in the delivery suite with an induction or something because obviously me my dreams of being in the birthing center and and water and stuff that was that was gone Mm -hmm. but I thought there's a shower in the room so that that could be you know warm shower on your back and um I'll get up and I'll move around and um not to you know spoiler alert that never happened um so she, she put the drip on, um, probably by the time everything got sorted, we were at maybe 8 o'clock, quarter past 8. Mm-hmm. 
and not a thing happened. Nothing. Right. Um, we watched some television. Um, I was desperate for something to eat, but she said I couldn't really have anything, so we negotiated a packet of um, Velveeta biscuits. That was the compromise. Okay. Um, and then kept coming in, up in the dosage, up in the dosage. Then at half past, about half past ten, I was like, oh... Oh, I think this might be, yeah, I think that's doing something now. So she came in and she looked at the monitor and she went, mm, yeah, yeah, and she felt me, felt me stomach and she's like, yeah, yeah, they they feel like, mm, yeah, I think something's happening. And I was like, oh, okay. And then they kind of just started to, got to a point where I was like, oh, they're definitely, they're definitely contractions, yeah. Right. But I felt, I very much felt like that about it, not, oh, this really hurts. I was just like, oh, yeah, that's definitely what people describe, yes, after. I feel like we're going somewhere now, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then at half eleven, I'm like, I think I might, I think I might need some gas and air because I think it's getting a bit ouchy. And she's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, in the meantime, I've got up and gone to the toilet a couple of times, um, which was a palaver with obviously all the cables from your drip, and they had the monitor on us, and yeah. that was yeah, yeah, a trip across the room to go into the ensuite for to the toilet was like a military operation but I, I was getting up and moving about but that was as much um and I, I just kept thinking oh well later on you know because this could go on for hours yeah you know people tell you induction takes forever um that maybe I'll want to get up and move around more then but right now I'm, I'm kind of happy where I am and we're chatting and you know yeah. so half past 11 ish I get the gas in air and then about ooh, 20 past 12 half past 12 so two hours after i'd gone oh yeah they're definitely contractions i said this is this is really getting i, th- I think i'm going to need something more mm-hmm. and she went, right okay so when they first put the dress on they said we won't examine you again until half past one that's you know we'll leave it until then and i was like right okay that's fine by me again because i really didn't you know it was being so bad so when I, I said this is getting sort of quite quite intense she said right okay do you mind if I examine you now and I was like no that's fine because I'd like to know um because honestly if I've got another 10 hours of it being like this I can't I can't do it and I, I'm, let's not mess about and let's just go straight for an epidural because I, I can't I can't take it at this intensity yeah. um for that much longer she's like okay that's fine so she examined us and she said, right, um, you're nine and a half centimetres. Oh, my. Yeah. So we do, this is why I say we don't know if the pessary had done more than we'd realised. Yeah. Um, and I just, I've, I've since learned I must have quite, I must be lucky to have quite a pain, high pain threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I was like, oh, okay. She said, so the best I can probably give you is half a dose of diamorphine. And I was like, right, okay. She said, but the thing is, it's a control drug. I need another midwife to come in. I'll go and get her. Like, but, you know, it could take a few minutes. Yeah, it's fine. So by this point, it's probably 20 to 1. Mm-hmm. Um, what feels like an eternity later, um, other midwife comes in and mid-contractions asking us for my name and date of birth, <laughs> which was fun. Right. So eventually, give that. She was like, "I know, I'm really sorry, but if you're giving it, I've, I've literally got the needle poised above your thigh." <laughs> like, okay. So she, um, and then I was like, "I really feel like I'm, 
pushing and I'm not like it's not a conscious thing so it's, it's like a reflex yeah um my friends who haven't had babies have asked me what it's like and the only thing I can describe it as is it's like it's the same sort of feeling as when you're gonna throw up that's what it felt like like a right. completely involuntary reflex that I couldn't I couldn't stop and she said, if you can really, really try, because you just weren't quite, you know, and I don't want, I don't want that last bit of cervix to get in the way and that cause problems. And I was like, yeah, no, I mean, if you'd ever had a baby, you would know there's no stop, like, there was no stopping it. Yeah. Um, so that was probably about 10 to 1. And between then and being born, time has no meaning. Um, but he was born at 17 minutes past 1. Oh, wow. So, We'd gone from half past ten in the morning to twenty past seventeen minutes past one, um, and that was as much of labour as I knew with an induction. Um, and he was born, you know, once she actually said, "Yeah, you can push." He was born within like a couple of pushes. Um, Amazing. She did have the, and I had friends who tried to prepare us for this bit. So we had the whole speech of right when you get the next contraction, I'm going to ask you to push, but then I'm going to ask you to stop, and it's going to be really difficult. But you. You know, you really need to try. And I really psyched myself up for it. She went, so really, really push. And then I'll ask you to stop. And I was like, right, okay, yeah, yeah, I can do this. But everybody's told us this is really important. And she went, right, okay, so if you put eyes out. <laughs> right. So I was like, oh, so I psyched myself up for that. And she's like, yeah, baby's out. Um, so he was born, he was crying, he was lovely. Oh. Um, he was boy, which we didn't, obviously, hadn't known, um, which was really nice. Um, and um, passed him open. I had sort of skin to skin. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just remember looking and thinking, oh wow, the baby's out. The baby's out. Yeah, he's oh, been born. Wow. And also looking and thinking, he looked exactly like my husband. Like, <laughs> absolutely, you know, it's, it was just him. Um, so, I, you know, I. I Obviously, people when they talk about induction being horrendous, I'm like, well, it wasn't for me. To be fair, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't have chosen it. But if I had to have it again, I would feel okay about it. Yeah. Um, and I think some of that comes from the fact that you know I didn't have to have what I would have felt were unnecessary examinations, and you know, I'll, but what you know, people are different, and I'm the sort of person that if you tell me I need to put up with something for two hours. I can do it. I couldn't have coped with a long, slow labour as well, I don't mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Some people really need that, like, slow ramp up. I'm a bit more... I don't even mind if it's worse. I'd just rather it was quicker. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. everybody reacts differently. Um, and, yeah, so he was he was born. Um, my husband cut the cord. Um, and then placenta delivered without much fanfare to be honest it was mm-hmm. it was forward which was good um and then she said oh I, there was quite a lot of bleeding um and you know I've never had a baby before so I didn't know what was normal or whatever yeah. she said but I don't I don't know if it's coming I think you might have a, a tear she said I think I saw that when he was coming out um so what I'm gonna do and again this was something that made me feel really sort of um res- I don't want to say respected that might sound a bit dramatic but I suppose that's what it is yeah it, it was um she said 
I'm not going to examine you to then potentially have to get the surgeon in to examine you again. I'm just going to get her straight in to check. Right. Because I don't see the point in putting you through it twice. Because I'm 99% certain of what I've already seen. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to buzz her in and get her to check. And then, you know, if she doesn't need to take it to feet of stitching, then that's fine. I'll just do it. But if she does, at least then you haven't had to be examined twice. And I was like, oh, great. Um, Again, very relieved about that. So um, at this point, my mum went out to the car to get the baby bag and stuff. Because, again, we left all that stuff in the car because we thought we had ages. Um, (laughs) And, you know, they say, like, don't bring too much clutter and stuff into the room. So she went off to get that um, with my husband. And... Um, the the surgeon came in and she had a bit chat to us and she like did an examination and she said, okay, so you've got what we would only just class as a third degree tear. It is only just, yeah. and if you really, yeah, you re- like you really really felt strongly about it, we could stitch it in the room, but we would be happier if we could take it to theatre with the expression she actually used was proper lighting. Um, yeah, because we're doing it by candlelight in here, are we? But um, yeah, <laughs> um, she said, but you know, I just think um, we could give you proper anaesthetic and we can make sure that we've not missed anything. And I was like, you know what? That's an area of the body that personally I don't want to take a chance with. Yeah. Um, so she said that we will give you a spinal for that. And I remember thinking at the time, so I've done all this next to no pain relief and now I'm getting a spinal what a waste what a waste <laughs> I've no one could have had an epidural hours ago um but by the time the so then the anaesthetist came in and um my mum said to us after she said I walked back in and you were doing the consent with the anaesthetist and she said it was like a different person because clearly in the time I'd been out of the room the diamorphine had kicked in because you were no longer with it and you just had this glazed expression as he was talking to you about all the risk going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And she said to the midwife, so the diamorphine, would that have done anything for actually giving birth? And the midwife went, no, no. Basically, we gave her it to make her feel better. Um, <laughs> but she said it had obviously, it obviously kicked in by the time I got back from the car. Um, and... So then off I went. Um, I remember saying to the anaesthetist, I don't know how anybody sits this still for an epidural in labour um, because I'm stressed out and I'm not having contractions or anything. Like, you know, um, but the, it was fine. The epidural, the spinal, sorry, worked first time. Um, and she said, oh, I've, you know, I've sewn the tear up. It was, it was very, very, you know, minor third degree tear, but at least we know that, you know, we've got it. Um, and and then off I went back to recovery. With Lucas, he stayed with, with his dad and with my mum in the in the room. Yeah. Um, so we went back to recovery and they, they met me there with him. Um, and I had a bit of a, I, I don't know if it was a bit of shock or if it was because I'd not eaten anything since like the night before other than the packet of, Elvita biscuits, the <laughs> contraband Elvita biscuits. Oh. It's funny when the anaesthetist said, 
Has she had anything to eat? And me and me diamorphine state went, oh yeah, I had a packet of biscuits. And the anaesthetist looks at the midwife and she went, no, no, she doesn't mean like, a pa- she hasn't like had a packet of hobnobs or something. Like, um, <laughs> she means like a little packet of breakfast bis- biscuits that she nibbled on and he was like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> but, you know, he was living, we had quite a nice little chat because he was saying, um, they were asking about the baby and stuff and, um, the RBI obviously looks out on St James's Park, and my husband's a Newcastle fan, and was supposed to be at the match that day. Um, but they lost. I mean, they lose a lot, but um, <laughs> they, they lost. So we had a bit of chat about that and a bit of a joke. Anyway, we got back to recovery, and as I said, I don't know if it was because I'd not eaten very much, or if it was shock and adrenaline, and or if it was the drugs that I'd had. Um, but I was shaking really badly, mm-hmm. um, and I couldn't. I just couldn't stop shaking. They had hot water bottles and stuff. Um, and my mum was like, you've got no colour in your face. Um, and the promised tea and toast, I never got. That makes me very sad. Mm-hmm. I've heard all about how good the tea and toast after you give birth is, and I never got it. Um, and I'd had, at one point in labour, which I forgot to say, they, they were a little bit worried about his heart rate. Yeah. Um, and it, she said, it's not it's not massively concerning. I think you're dehydrated. Um so they'd put me on a fluid drip in labour um, and that sorted that problem out. Um, so they were still quite concerned and, and wanted to make sure that my fluid levels were all right and that I wasn't getting dehydrated as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, I said, I really want a cup of tea. Like, I really want one. And she went, oh, you, I can't, you know, you're still looking like you're dehydrated. And, and you know, and I was like, oh, you can have some water. And I was like, oh, okay. Um and they kept asking if I wanted to try and feed him, and I did, but I was really actually frightened that I might not be able to hold him. Right. Um, so eventually my midwife went off for a break, and another midwife came in. She said, how are you doing, Pet? And I said, oh, I'm all right, but I'm, I really, I just want, like, I'm, I'm, I'm shaking and stuff. And she just looked at us and she went, have you had a cup of tea yet? And I was like, no, I really want a cup of tea. <laughs> and she went, That'll sort you out. That'll sort you out. Because when I'd had the spinal, they put a catheter in, so that's how they were monitoring what fluid I was, like, what urine and stuff I was passing. Yeah. And, um, because the fluid you're passing is a bit dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm telling you, I'll go and get you a cup of tea, and in 10 minutes you'll be all right. And she was right. Literally, I had this cup of tea, and it was, like, magic. Um, <laughs> and my mum said, the colour came back into your face, everything. Um, so then they helped me feed him. And he fed for quite a long time, um, the first time. And he ended up actually being a really good feeder, to be honest. Um, and then eventually um, they took me around to the ward, um, mm-hmm. got me called. Um, Joe's parents had driven up by this point from Manchester. Um, so he'd made all the sort of the baby's here phone calls. Um, my mum had made some to like grandparents and things yeah. um, and then they went um, yeah they went home it must have been maybe five o'clock and then Joe came back later with his parents for like evening visiting yeah. so they could meet, meet the baby and stuff and um, when he got back I was like you can't leave until you find me something to eat and he said what do you mean and I said well, I haven't had anything to eat since last night like I'm absolutely starving um, and I genuinely at this stage don't care where you get it from. Like, I just need you to find it. was like some sort of um, military operation again, just to get 
said, and he went out and he spoke to the midwife and he said, he, the midwife said, oh, I'm really sorry, it's because she missed tea time because she didn't come round until after we'd, we'd done tea time, but I'll go and see where I can find her. Um, so I had a sandwich and stuff. And then they stayed for visiting and then went home. Um, and then we really struggled with feeding in the beginning. Just I just couldn't get it right. Just couldn't get him in the right position. He didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know what I was doing, really. Right. Um, and we fell into a bit of a trap where I could buzz. They would come. They would, you know, clamber on the bed and, and get him latched. And then they would leave and that would be fine until the next time you needed feeding. Yeah. Um, and I just couldn't get get him in the right position or get me in the right position or whatever. So... I stayed the Saturday night and then they asked me if I wanted to stay another night, which I did. Um, and we came home on the Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd been a little bit worried, you know, they'd, they'd kind of told me what the worst case scenario was with having a third degree tear um, and said, you know, you'll be referred for a women's physio appointment about six weeks after your birth. Um, and this can happen, that can happen. Um, you might it might be recommended if you have another baby that you have a cesarean and that really that stuck with us for quite a long time because I really didn't want to have to have a cesarean um so we came home um and one of the best things that happens happened and I think this must be a South Chinese thing because all my other friends I don't know anybody in any other area where this happens so if you're breastfeeding um the next morning, so we got home at like lunchtime on the Monday, yeah. Tuesday morning at about quarter past eight, breastfeeding support woman just knocks at the door. We didn't know she was coming. Um, we didn't have to ask for her to come. She just turned up. Wow. And honestly, she was like an angel because she came in and she said, oh, is that not sore? And I was like, mm, a little bit. Um, and she went, right, come on. But rather than just her latching them on, she helped me do it and she like tweaked my arms and things like that but she got me in the position where I could do it myself yeah and there was one gets wrong we still had the times like in the middle of the night where I just was sat going I just can't do it um but it didn't take long you know looking back now it was probably took a couple of weeks um but you know she just at that point in time she was exactly what we needed she came in she helped me she showed me how to feed him and then she said, right, so he's finished on that side. Right, Dad, you change his nappy. That, this is your job now. You change his nappy. It was the first time Joe had changed his nappy. I'd done them all. Um, and he, you know, he'll, he would say now. It was a little bit like, oh, you've never really changed a, we've never changed a baby's nappy before or anything. But somebody just coming in and going, right, okay, you do that. And that then became the routine while he was on paternity leave. Yeah. I would feed him. Joe would take him, change his nappy. Then I would feed him on the other side. Um, and we were really lucky with him so he would feed and it, it used to take quite a long time like feeds were long mm-hmm. um, but he would then sleep for like three hours between them Wow! Um, so he was really good his sleep did get progressively worse up to about four months old and then um, after that settled, settled back down um, and he was, we were quite lucky that even though he would wake up in the night to be fed he would wake up to be fed and once he was full, I could put him back down and he'd go straight back to sleep. We had no mm-hmm. issue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it took it took some doing, but um, I ended up feeding him until he was um, nearly eight months old. 
Wow, that's great. And I don't know if I might have carried on longer, but he got to a stage, in the very beginning, there were a few occasions where he had to take a bottle. Yeah. Um, and I always feel really bad when I see people on forums going, oh, I'm trying to express and I'm not getting anything out and I'm worried that, you know, the baby's not getting enough and blah, 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 because he never struggled to feed, but I'm rubbish at expressing. Nothing comes out when I express. Mm-hmm. But he was a proper, you know, monster baby. He was really, he was seven pounds four when he was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, he never lost weight. And he, I think by six weeks, he was like 10 pounds or something. He was so he, yeah. he was obviously getting the milk out, no issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had had a few express bottles when he was younger, up until like the, the first couple of months. And then we had a period of time where we didn't need to give him a bottle, so he didn't have one. And then refused. Um, and it got to a stage where we worked so hard to get him to take a bottle um, that I just thought, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm ready to be done now. Um and what we did is, during the day, he used to have bottles, but I used to feed him on the night, overnight. Yeah. And then, gradually, obviously, he got, you know, he was really good with solids as well. So, once he started eating more solids during the day, he wanted less milk anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just got to the point where he was only waking up maybe once a night. Um, and I just, there was no big dramatic, like, I'm not going to feed him anymore. I just We just weaned it down. And I just remember feeding him in the middle of the night one night and thinking, yeah, I don't think I'll do this again. And it was it was so strange, but actually probably the best way to do it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, then he he thrived. Um. I was really lucky. Healed really well. Um. Didn't. Yeah. It was sent home with some really good pain relief and stuff. Um. So didn't didn't struggle really at all con- considering how I thought I might because I, I think I had this impression in my head from what I've heard about people who had you know third degree tears and stuff that it was horrendous and you know I'd heard all the horror stories about not being able to sit down and and I just didn't you know don't get us wrong you, you you're very careful with the area yeah. but <laughs> um it wasn't like I couldn't walk or I couldn't you know get up and move about or anything like that so yeah. um and we were lucky because the the, as I said, the breastfeeding support team they, they just turn up on the first day after you come out and then any time you would ring them you know and we did we did get them out another time they rang, we rang up and they came out within mm-hmm. a couple of hours and sit with you and you know um, I really think that made all the difference I think if we'd not had that I'd, I wouldn't have fed him I'd have given up definitely by six weeks definitely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for me I was sort of um, that support that combined with the midwife, who was really lovely, um, and very sort of, she made you feel quite confident about things. So I remember going to see her not long before I had him, yeah. um, and heard the midwife saying, "You'll be fine. You'll be fine. I can just tell. You'll be all right." And like, she had nothing to base that on. I'm sure. I'm sure she was just saying it to make me feel better, but it did make me feel better. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's sometimes little things like that actually have more of an impact than I suppose you would, even I would have thought it would have done. Um, so yeah, that was him. No, um, of course, language is so important, especially with new mums and, and pregnancy and birth. 
a lot of people don't really think about it at the time but then there are moments where you can just remember what someone said or hasn't said exactly and it just sounds amazing of of how you've worded it in terms of the support you received but also how capable you were as well and all I think that's the thing it makes you feel because it's really especially with your first baby I don't necessarily think it completely goes away however many children you have but I think definitely with your first I felt like um when's the adult coming like mm-hmm. when's the grown-up coming to tell me what I should be doing oh that's me that's, um like and I think I've heard a lot of people say this over the years yeah really hard for husbands because they don't mean to do it but they look at you as if you should know yeah and you're like yeah but I haven't done this before either so and I, I think a lot of times that, that can cause like a lot of friction because you sort of you're sitting there going well I don't know what I'm doing but I haven't got a choice, I've got to get on with it. Mm-hmm. And your husband or your partner is there saying, like, not, not meaning to, but they just defer to you because cause you often are putting out this image to them that you do know what you're doing. Um, and sometimes you do just need somebody who you know knows what they're doing, like a midwife or a health visitor or whatever, to say to you, you can do this. In fact, not you can, you are, you are doing it. Like, Exactly, you know, exactly, yeah. I don't think you, as I say, it wasn't until afterwards that, and, and like you just said, that little things that people said actually make all of a difference. I remember at one point, um, I think it was just after I'd asked for gas and air, just before I asked for gas and air, sorry. Um, <clears throat> and the midwife had gone for a break. Mm-hmm. And another midwife came in and I said, oh, um, she said if I needed any pain relief to ask, and I think I might need some paracetamol. And she went, all right, then. I, like, laughed. And I went, what? And she went, why, is that all you want? <laughs> and I said, well, I mean, yeah, for, for now. And she went, you're going to be fine. If you just ask him for paracetamol, now look at them contractions, you're going to be fine. Aww. And again, like, it's nothing. It's, it's To her, it's probably a nothing. But mm-hmm. to me, at the time, it was like, all right, okay, right, okay, yeah. That just gives you that little that little boost to yeah, make you think. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So I had, you know, overall, I always say to people, I, had, I think I had a really good experience. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, and, and it sounds like you're definitely at peace and, and you're looking back at that experience with nothing but sort of concrete feelings towards it. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any sort of... I definitely went into my second pregnancy having learned some things. Mm-hmm. I think we all do. I think that anybody who has a second pregnancy or a second child, you know, you, you learn from it. But I didn't feel like, um, I didn't feel like I'd been sort of cheated or um, not listened to or or any of those awful things that you sometimes hear about. Yeah. But I did do the um the birth reflection service. Wonderful. Um. And it was quite a long time. It was, I think it was over a year by the time I actually... And I, the thing that put me off doing it, if I'm honest, is because I didn't feel like it was a service for people like me. Right. I thought it was for people who would had properly traumatic births and were suffering the trauma. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I wanted from it was there were lots of things that I sort of 
thought I remembered. Yeah. Thought had happened. And theories I'd come up with about things after the fact. And sitting down with somebody and just going through what happened. Saying, oh, well, I remember, I remember that happening at that point. And, you know, saying, I really, I'm pushing. I'm pushing and I'm not trying to. And the midwife said, yeah, I can stay here. She's written, um, Laura is involuntarily pushing. Um, And I said, I just couldn't stop. And she went, you wouldn't have been able to. At that point, you wouldn't have been able to. And I was like, oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, And just little things like that that probably wouldn't have made any difference to the outcome at all. But it's that knowing in your mind that what you think is right and you're, you're remembering it correctly. So me going all right so I am right to think that and I am right to think that um and the other thing that really really helped was at six weeks yeah six weeks postpartum mm-hmm. um I saw the um women's physio and she checked the scarring and the stitches and everything um and said everything was healing absolutely fine and did like a thorough check on my pelvic floor muscles and stuff um and I also saw the consultant at that point, and she said, um, based on everything that I'm seeing now and everything that you're telling me, if you want to have any more children, I would absolutely support you going for a natural delivery. I don't think there's a need for you to have a cesarean, and there's absolutely no reason for you to think about or decide about that now. Um, but I would support you having that. By the same token, if you don't want to risk another third-degree tear, I also understand that, and we would support you in having a cesarean. Amazing. And I was like... Yeah, and that, again, that sort of was a complete contradiction to what I'd heard a lot of people say, which was either way, they'd had a fight on their hands. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't have that, you know, I can't, I didn't have that experience at all. And that was the thing that had bothered me for sort of those six weeks, pe- that six week period, it had played on my mind a little bit because I really, really don't want to have a cesarean and I don't, I don't feel like it's necessary. I don't have any issues following the, yeah. um, the surgery or anything like that. And, um, just put my mind at rest straight away and I could just put that to one side and not have to think about it until you know I decided I want to have another baby so yeah 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 definitely and and it's nice to hear that you were then validated during that time yeah I think again sometimes people often feel like it's just what they think and that's not necessarily it isn't it isn't validated as you say mm-hmm. um and that was what I you know what I got from that birth reflection service that nobody, there was no other way I was going to get that because nobody else, you know, my husband was there, my mum was there. But to go through those really detailed notes that the midwives have to make yeah, and go through it step by step and somebody go, no, that would be right. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's written that in here. Or it, that made me go, oh, well, yeah, I am. I am writing what I think and, you know, Mm-hmm. my version of, of what happened is, is accurate I'm not misremembering it or you know anything like that yeah yeah and and it's great that you had the opportunity to engage in the services because as you said you you went under the impression that there were for you in your experience but it's great that you're you're discussing it now and proving that it's for anyone and, and every, everyone who needs it yeah definitely it even. it's just such a shame because I know 
don't know about other parts of the country, but I know at the RVI it's a voluntary thing that the midwives volunteer to do. Yeah. Um, or it certainly was then, which is like four mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and it's a shame that it's not something that's just like a standard service. Obviously, we all know what the issue with funding is and stuff, but um, I can I can just even just in my circle of friends and family, I know so many women who would benefit from it. Um, it's just such a shame that it's something that can't be standard. Um, and the same with the follow-up with the women's physio. I know in, like, for example, in France, that's a standard thing. Yeah. For any woman who has a, has a baby, um, they have that examination stuff afterwards. Mm-hmm. And you just wonder how many women are living with things they don't need to live with. You yeah. know, and that's the, the shame, I suppose. Definitely, yeah. I totally agree with what you're saying in, in terms of that. And uh, I'm sure people who listen to your story will then realise that these options are available and it's something they can ask about. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, I, yeah, I, as I say, I was fortunate that I'd read it in the back of the the books that they give you when you book in at the RVI. I knew it was there yeah. um, and sort of thought about it for, for quite a long time before I did it and actually bit the bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I'm, you know, I'm sure there are other similar services in other, you know, and it, if it provokes somebody to go and investigate whether or not it's available, then mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I really think it would benefit a lot of people because um, it did. As I say, I never considered it that I'd had a traumatic experience, but yeah, even for me, yeah. it made me feel so much more. As you said, at peace, I think that's a really good way of describing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then considering you'd, you'd received that care and that support, what what then pushed you to have a second? Was it something that you'd thought about or did it just happen? No. Um, so I am, um, I was going to say I'm an only child. That's not technically true. So I'm, I've got I've got step and half sibling. But yeah. I was just my mum, really. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband's one of two, and I had always wanted more than one child. I'd, I'd kind of kept my, my options open in so much as, you know, if we'd had Lucas and I thought, I can't do this again, then that's fine. But in the back of my mind, he was all, always going to have a sibling, right. hopefully. Um, and we'd always sort of thought we'd wait until he was maybe three or four, Um as I say, I was only 29 when he was born, so it wasn't like time was particularly an issue. Yeah. Um, a couple of years younger than me. Um, and this is the practicality of having a second one, which is if we waited until Lucas was three, that would mean he'd be getting his free childcare hours and we could, you know, financially it was, would be a lot easier than having two in nursery at the same time. And things. Yeah. So he turned three... Right, yeah, he turned three in the September, mm-hmm. um, and I had gotten the contraceptive implant when he was born. Right. So that last, that lasted three years. Um, so that I got that removed, and then again, we sort of we knew we wanted another one, and I, I had the the implant removed, but we weren't like actively trying. I would say there was no like plotting of cycles and this that and the other um and we thought we'd give it a couple of months see what happened and then think about it probably more with purpose in the new year yeah 
Uh, and I got that removed at the end of the September, October time. Um, and then on February the 13th, the day before Valentine's Day, I had one of these really terrible, you know, as a woman in her 30s, I should know better. Um, and I was like, oh, I think, oh, maybe I should do a test because that's been a while. Um <laughs> At which point Joe was like, "What do I need to go to the shop? Do I need to go and get a test? What needs to happen? Blah 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 blah." And I was a bit like, "Because ah, again, fell pregnant straight away first time. Surely it's not going to happen again, you know." Yeah. I had loads of friends who got again who struggled the second time, even if they'd had no problems the first time. So I was like, "No, no, 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 I won't be." Um, and I was pregnant. It was positive. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, again, I still, even though this was the second time I'd done it. I still felt like, oh, because, you know, who's who's lucky enough for it to happen um, straightforwardly both times? Like, that's, you know, I know, I know we're really lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of was a bit more, um, I don't want to say a bit more blase about it because that's not true. I actually worried a lot more second time around. Right, um, right. Worried a lot more about niggles and aches and pains, which I seemed to get more of, whether that's because I was older um, and had Lucas to look after, or I don't know. But it was different. It was, I did, I, I felt different. Um, I also probably wasn't in as good a physical shape as I'd intended. Because again, I thought, well, after the new year, I'll, you know, get back out to go and running and I'll stop eating rubbish and you know oh, I'll be in a better yeah. position if I fall pregnant and of course that never happened um so I, but I was a bit more like I, I didn't need to ring the doctors immediately the next day and and tell them I, I gave it a couple of days and things like that yeah um, and again I was lucky I had it was a straightforward pregnancy um I had a few more little niggly things but nothing no serious complications um, at about 10 weeks, I had some pain um, and I didn't, again, I didn't know if it was just normal things of stretching and moving and, um, but I hadn't had it the first time and because it was sort of on one side, mm-hmm. I did get referred for a scan just to make sure that the pregnancy was where it was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and it was. And she said, yeah, it's absolutely fine. It's Great. obviously just, Great. you know, one of those things. Um, and then... I did at my booking in um, bloods and urine sample. I found out I was had group B strep, right? Um, which I hadn't had the first time round, um, and I did quite a lot of reading on it, which initially worried us quite a lot. And maybe, maybe that was partly why I worried more during the second pregnancy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, gave me cross antibiotics which were awful um i normally don't react badly to medication but these were obviously ones that were specifically for that and a type that you could take when you were pregnant and the monocta is really sick and i had a lot more nausea and stuff this time right a lot more vomiting mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and she said obviously when you go in to um have the baby and mm-hmm. um, there's a couple of things you need to be aware of if your water's breaking you need to go in straight away um and 
you need to get a course of, anti- course of antibiotics intravenously. Um, and I think they have to be at least four hours or six hours, I can't remember which way around it was, mm-hmm. um, before the baby's born. So that you have time to cross the placenta because the baby can pick up the infection while it's being born. Um, and it's the sort of thing, as an adult, you know, we live with without, it's, it wouldn't, it's not something you know you have, it doesn't cause you any issues, but obviously if a baby contracts it, it can be quite dangerous for them. Right. So I sort of had all of this in my mind. I went away and did a bit of reading and stuff. And the thing that I still had in my heart was that I wanted to have this water burst in the RBI birthing centre. Yeah. So it's still there. That was still my aim. Um, and I did actually ring them and check because I'd seen somewhere that they now allowed you to have a water burst in the birthing centre if you had great strep. Mm-hmm. But in the literature, which was old literature, it still said that you couldn't. And I was sure that that's what I've been told, but I rang and checked that and yes, that would be fine. So kind of merrily went along um, mm-hmm. after that. Um, when she, when I was about 36 weeks, 35, 36, it was, on, it was Lucas's birthday. Um, so his birthday was the 19th of September and she was due the 19th of October. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and so I was getting stuff ready for him. He was at nursery and Joe had been away for the night with work, but I was off work that day in the house doing stuff. And I just I wasn't happy with their movements. So went and got checked. Obviously, again, as soon as they put the monitor on, absolutely fine, because that's nine times out of ten, I think, what happens. But, um, again, my experience was, as soon as I rang up and said, they just don't seem right, or they don't seem as frequent, or they don't seem as strong, they're just not not the same, straight away, just come in, we'll get you checked. There was never a hesitation about it. Um, So I had had reduced movements then, had a low iron this time around, Mm -hmm. um, and we had... had one course of iron tablets which knocked me sick and I told the midwife and the midwife said there's two different types that they can give you um and she said we always prescribe one because most women react badly to the other one but the other one's cheaper so when it gets through to the doctor the doctor often prescribes the cheaper alternative and it's just a waste because you're now going to have to bin all of those tablets anyway Mm -hmm. because you can't take them because they make you vomit and we're going to have to give you the others anyway. So it's actually ended up costing double what it would have done to just do the ones that are marginally more expensive in the first place. Yeah. Okay, but I don't have to take these anymore. She's like, no, no. Um, and my iron levels did come back up, actually. Um, but she said I'd rather... You, I was quite close to giving birth at that point. She said I'd rather you just kept taking them because you, your iron levels have come back up, but they're borderline. And obviously, we know you're going to give birth. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I do shamefully have to admit I was supposed to carry on taking them after I'd had the baby and I didn't. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's all up to you and what you want to do. Well, I did for the first maybe week or so. And then, yeah. I just, you know, I, you, you, I had a newborn and a, a toddler, like a four-year-old, and I was like, oh, I've forgotten for like five days. Ah, I feel all right. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, I didn't tell the midwife out. Um, but... It was all dead straightforward. Um, as I said, the, the things that I had weren't big things. I never had problems with like fluid retention or blood pressure or any of any of the other typical things that you might get. So, mm-hmm. Again, I, it was a it was a harder pregnancy, but not it wasn't a hard pregnancy. It was just harder. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I saw the midwife. 
again, I think I saw her at 38 weeks. Right. Um, and then she booked us in to come to the house on my due date. Well, not on my due date. My due date was a Saturday, but to come that Monday. Yeah. Um, and again, I was like, all right, okay, well, I've got no real expectation because... I thought I'd go over first time and I didn't. Um, and all the way through being pregnant, mm-hmm. or from, quite, from maybe like 16, 20 weeks, something like that, every time I saw the midwife, she said, now, what I want to remind you is this is a second baby. Sometimes they come quickly. Don't hang about. And I said, I don't know what that means. Because I didn't I didn't go into labour last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, But she just kept saying the same thing don't hang about, don't hang about. And I was like, I, I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> I need like a, I need a benchmark. Uh-huh. Um, and when I would tell people, they're like, but you've had a baby before. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know. Um, so I had that in the back of my mind. But I thought, I have had a baby before. And I will know. I will know if they're contractions. I'll know what they feel like. <laughs> so, evidently I'm an idiot. Um right. <laughs> 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 because um, so I, she was due on the Saturday which is the 19th and I'd been this time around I went for some um, reflexology all the way through pregnancy which I, wow. I genuinely I don't know if it does anything but it's a lovely way to spend an hour and it made me feel nice that's so nice. that's good enough for me um, and I'd been for a reflexology appointment on the Saturday and then we didn't do very much um, and the Sunday, the, actually, the cat, we had, we had at the time, had two cats, wow. and one of them was very, very poorly, so she was in the vet, and um, it was very, very upsetting time, we were getting loads of phone calls and things, and mm. I was probably really preoccupied with that. Um, so on the Sunday, we went to go and see Joe's parents. Um, remember those times pre-COVID, when you could just go and visit your family? Oh, yeah. What, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Yeah. It was only a year ago. Um, so um, we drove up to see them. They live in Northumberland. Um, and the idea was that we would go have lunch, we'd leave Lucas there, and then we would drive him back to Gosford um, to see the cat in the vet and decide what was going to happen next. Right. Um, so it ended up being a really horrific night where she just got worse and worse and worse. And... Um, Lucas ended up staying the night at Joe's parents and we ended up having to have the cat put to sleep. It was awful. Um, obviously, I was really, really upset. Um, and then it was by the time I think I sorted out and stuff, it was like half past eight on a Sunday night and we were, we were driving back home. Mm-hmm. So get home, sorted, um, and then I suddenly sort of thought, oh, I don't know how much movement I've felt today. And again, I don't know if I was just so preoccupied that the baby was moving, but I hadn't registered it. Right. Or, you know, I don't know. But Joe was like, we'll ring them and we'll go back in and check. And I'm like, okay, I know this is the right thing to do. The last thing I want to do now is get back in the car and da-da-da. But I have to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I said to him, look, I'm I'm a day overdue. If there's any doubt, they'll, they'll not hang about, you know, as far as they'll be concerned. If there's any concern for the baby you know it's full term let, let's not miss about yeah so be prepared that they might just ask us to stay in and he was like okay so we went up 
um, I rang them and then we went up and they put us on the monitor and again, absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. um, I still wasn't convinced that the movements were quite right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there was, the, I had like some funny feelings, but I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on what it was and they were happy with everything they were saying. Yeah. They, yeah, I could stay longer and they would monitor for us, monitor us for longer and if I wanted to come back later on, if things still weren't right, come back. So I'd, it wasn't like I felt like they were just pushing us out and I was being a bit dramatic. Yeah. Um, but I just put it down to, I had a really horrific day, you know, a combination of things. I hadn't eaten very, well, I had lunch, but then this is like probably nine o'clock by this point. Yeah. And I hadn't really eaten anything since and, so away we come home and I slept reasonably well mm-hmm. um I was a bit unsettled but again you know I was heavily pregnant and had a really upset time so I just thought exactly, sort of, yeah. yeah you know that's totally I, I wasn't didn't think anything of it and um Joe got up to go and pick Lucas up from his parents so that he could then drop him at nursery and I was up and down a bit and and then I just sort of became aware. I was like, oh, I think these are, these might be very, very mild contractions. Right. Um, and, but when I say mild, I mean, I'd had, I'd had Braxton Hicks that were more painful. So right. it wasn't like they weren't anything. And um, I rang him and I was like, but where, where are you? Why are you not back? And he said, oh, um, Lucas had an unsettled night. It was just a bit out of like his routine and stuff um, and woke up so when I got here to pick him up he was actually still in bed by the time they got him back to sleep and stuff they'd let him sleep in yeah. and I was like alright okay. he said but I'm, I'm going to be leaving shortly and I said alright okay I said I think I think something might be happening but I don't think it's going to be a day you know but I think we might be we're getting there I think mm-hmm. alright okay well the midwife's coming a day anyways and she and I said yeah yeah so you know we'll know one way or another and um so that was probably, that was probably about nine, half past nine in the morning. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing because I got up and I got in the shower, which I felt like was the dirtiest shower I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> Absolutely had to be scrubbed there and then. Um, and maybe that was a sign. <laughs> maybe. Um, and then midwife turned up I want to say it was about half past 11 mm-hmm. um, and I'd been so busy cleaning and stuff I was out of the shower and dressed but like my hair was still wet and everything so she brought the student with her and she said um, I said oh I think I, I think something might be happening but I don't think it's imminent I think I think I've got time and she was like oh, alright well if you want we can we can try and do a, um, a sweep and, but we'll do an examination anyway and if we can we will if that's what you want and I said yeah yeah. Um, so she did all the other checks, like um, blood pressure and everything. Yeah. And then she said, "Do you mind if um, the student does does the examination and stuff?" And I was like, "No, no, that's fine." So off we troop, and um, she's doing the examination and stuff. And she said, "Oh yeah, I think I'll be able to do a sweep." Blah blah blah. blah. So then the examination's finished, and the midwife says to her, "Okay, so it takes all these different." You know, they do all different measurements and things, don't they? Yeah. Um, and she said, um, and dilation? She was like, I'm going to say, yeah, five centimetres. Wow. And I was like, pardon? Now, bearing in mind, when I'd gone in with Lucas, I mean, 
waters have gone and they were like nothing's happening uh, it's not softened it's not dilated it's not not, not nothing yeah and i'm like oh so again the midwife said so obviously we've turned the suite now and you were already having contractions so things might pick up mm-hmm. and i was like hey, okay um don't hang about and i'm like i still don't know what that means mm-hmm. <laughs> still don't know what that means but i just said i, I won't um so she was here she was probably here about 45 minutes for here quite a while mm-hmm. um and then she left and i had some two slices of toast and a cup of tea um and went with that on my birthing ball which is what she told me to do yeah um because what she said was the baby's head although it was down and it was starting to engage it was wasn't it was like slightly off-centered i think was how she phrased it mm-hmm. so she said if you get on your birthing ball that'll help but like settle into the right position but when it does drop things might progress quite, quite quickly right. um and i was like oh, all right okay um so off she went and joe's parents came through actually to help to help us because we had to bury the cat which is you know i sometimes mm-hmm. feel like my life is a bit ridiculous but um so they were coming through anyway mm-hmm. um and when they got there got, got to our house i'm sitting on my birthing ball watching the Harry and Meghan documentary <laughs> and um, <laughs> Joe's in the kitchen pottering about and him and his dad go out and they're looking at the garden and whatever and I'm talking to his mum and she's like you seem you seem all right you seem very calm no but what I feel I feel all right mm-hmm. um like I definitely know I'm having them but I could still talk through them which obviously that's one of the things they tell you to look out for isn't it and yeah um, so I'd rang my mum at one o'clock when she started our lunch break at work and said I think it might be today but I don't think you need to leave work I don't think there's any urgency she said all right well I'll be on my lunch until two um give us a call back at two and see how you feel mm-hmm. and I was like okay but I don't think you'll need to leave work early maybe come through straight after work and she's like all right well I might take some time and all this like you know blah blah blah, blah. so uh, about 10 to 2 yeah I was like oh these are getting these are getting a bit ouchy now oh yeah and it was it sort of changed where previously I could just sit and bounce on the ball through them Mm -hmm. I was struggling to find a position that was helpful and they just had changed yeah and I thought oh maybe this is what she meant by don't hang about Mm -hmm. um so I said to Joe, I'm going to go and ring the birthing centre. I'm going to go upstairs and ring the birthing centre. So I rang them and um, spoke to this midwife and I was like, um, all right, I'm giving me name and everything. And she went, all right, and is this your first baby? And I went, no. And I feel like they always take you a little bit more seriously the minute you say that. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, um, I'm having contractions. They're pretty regular. Um, they're getting quite intense now mm-hmm. and I got one while I was on the phone and I couldn't talk through it mm-hmm. and she went right she said uh, I said the midwife's been this morning she went all right and what did she say and I said oh well she said I was five centimeters but the baby's head wasn't in the right position she went and were you having contractions then and I said yeah and she went what what why are you still at home <laughs> and I was like oh because I'm fine and she was like yeah I think you should come in and I was like, oh, all right, okay then. Yeah. Have you had any painkillers? And she 
ridiculous. I said, no. And she went, oh, go and take two paracetamol. That might be all you get. And I, like, laughed. Yeah. I came downstairs. I took me two painkillers and I was laughing. This might be all I get. And she was like, so we need to go then. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to ring my mum. So rings my mum. All right, well, I'll, I'll just go and tell them and I'll come now. And she works in pretty much in the centre of Durham. So she's probably only 20, 25 minutes from our house. Yeah. Um, and then... Again, benefit of hindsight, and I probably should have known better. I've had a baby before. I thought, oh, I think I need to go to the loo before I go. So mm-hmm. I went up, to the, came up to the ensuite, and um, I got this contraction sitting on the toilet that was like nothing I've ever felt in my life. Like, mm-hmm. I've heard people describe them as intense, and I, I don't think I ever, even when I had Lucas, I don't think I necessarily understood that. That was the only thing I could, the only word that could come to mind to describe it was just intense, yeah. like overwhelming. Um, Joe came running in and was like, you all right? And I'm like, mm, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was very different. Um, and I went to wipe and there was bright red blood. Now, this had obviously not been something I'd had any, con- like, any idea about when I had Lucas because I was in hospital I never got up and moved around and yeah. um, so I, I don't know you know um then he was like is that normal and I'm like I don't know well why don't you ring them back so he rang um the birth and center back and said my wife's just been on the phone and it was the same midwife and she said um Laura yeah I've, I've just spoken to her um is everything all right and he said well and then he said, actually, I'll just put her on speakerphone. I said, oh, I'll just come to the toilet and da, da, da. And she was like, right, it probably just means that things have progressed a little bit fast. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, okay. She went, how far away are you? I said, oh, I don't know, probably 20, 25 minutes. And she went, right, you want to come now? And then the immortal words that I don't think I'll ever forget were, if you don't think you're going to make it, right. we're ring 999. And I was like, oh, that's not going to happen not going to happen mm-hmm. um so we come downstairs we get in the car my mother-in-law's like do you want your cardigan i'm like no oh, i don't want my cardigan thanks that's fine and <laughs> <laughs> um, basically just left them in the house just just left um and then i was from we sort of drove to the bottom of the street and then we live down a hill mm-hmm. a big hill um and I got a contraction and I just said to Joe, I'm, I'm doing my best, but these are like really painful. And of course I'm sitting in the car, so it's not the ideal. Yeah. Nowhere to go is there, there's nothing to, you know, you can't do anything to help them. Um, So I'm doing my best. And he's like, it's fine, you're fine. Um, And then I got another two in pretty quick succession. Mm-hmm. And we got to some traffic lights and I just said, we're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it to the hospital. Right what and I went yeah and he went are you sure and I went sure and he just very calmly dialed 999 from the hands free right. <laughs> and we pulled over into an Aldi car park <laughs> because um obviously for anybody who doesn't live in the area they won't know but we were about to join a road called the Felon Bypass which yeah. leads to the town bridge and I did not fancy giving birth on either of those roads yeah <laughs> <laughs> so this seemed like a better option um yeah. and we got through to the call handler um 
who was lovely and uh, asked for my date of birth, which Joe gave him incorrectly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there's months in the year, right? You've got the date wrong. Uh, and then we, we said, right, we're, it's category one, we're sending somebody now. Um, and, you know, funny things, like he kept saying to Joe, can you, can you see the baby's head? And I was like, you know, I can tell you now, you won't be able to see the head yet, but it, and it's coming. It's definitely coming. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had in the back of my mind that once I knew that when, when I had Lucas, once I'd started pushing, it wasn't very long. Yeah. So I, I was like, you might not be able to say now, but it won't take very long for the baby to be, be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, at one point, I thought I'm going to have to try and see if I, what I can feel. Mm-hmm. Um, he just kept asking and I, it's funny now it wasn't funny at the time I reached down and I was like oh my god what's that that feels like I'm like I don't know is it me inter- is it an internal organ is me liver on its way out or something <laughs> it was only when the paramedic turned up and asked me if our waters had gone and I said no I thought ah oh, that's what that'll have been yeah. <laughs> our water's bulging um, so he said they're on the way they're on the way they're on the way and in my mind I'd sort of you tell yourself things to comfort yourself, don't you? So it was going to be all right when the ambulance got there. Yeah. It was going to be all right because um, there were, it was going to be a nice big oxy ambulance that had medical equipment and we were going to be fine and there was going to be a professional there. Yeah. And Joe said, how how far away are they? And he said, oh, they're not far. They're coming along and gave an over road. And um, he was like, all right. He said, they're in a fast response car. And I actually went, oh, no, because in my head a big boxy ambulance was going to be coming and it was going to be fine. Yeah. Um, and then a few minutes later, they turned up. Um, it felt, I mean, it felt like a hundred years, mm-hmm. uh, but it, was, it wasn't that long. And nearly went into the wrong supermarket car park because there's a little, little opposite the Aldi. <laughs> you had to wave them in from the other, because they pulled up the other one, so I swing around and come out. Anyway, paramedic gets out and, hello, my name's Ian. How are you doing? That's, I've, I've had better days I'm not going to lie um, and that was what time would that have been so that was like just before 10 to 3 mm-hmm. and he, they did like me um, pull socks and stuff mm-hmm. and um, got the gas and air out it's very happy to see that I mean, you don't do anything for the pain, but it it makes you feel a bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said to us, have you, have your waters broken? And I said, no. Mm -hmm. And he went, right. And he turned to the other paramedic and said, we might have time. And then I had a contraction and he went, doesn't matter. I've got time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the next contraction I had the gas and air for. And I felt my waters go. Right. Um, and in the middle of that, he had gotten Joe to, because we had both car seats in the back of the car, mm-hmm. so I couldn't even get on the back seat. Right. Um, so we sort of reclined the, the front seat as much as we could and pushed it back as much as we could. Um, and then I got another contraction. I just sort of felt the paramedic leg touch the side of my leg and go, can you just move that leg for us? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. Um, and two pushes later she was out um, wow. in the front seat of the car 
Um, at some point in that period of time, an ambulance did arrive. Mm-hmm. I don't know when. I don't know when that happened, but right. I know that when she was born, the other ambulance, the actual ambulance, ambulance was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we looked at the timings, and from the from the lovely Ian, the paramedic arriving mm-hmm. to Iris being born was six minutes. Right. So I definitely wouldn't have made it to the hospital. Um, and yeah, it, it was just, I think, it, unless you've had a baby, you don't know either or necessarily always realise. Once they're born, like, you're totally fine. Mm-hmm. It's Like, it's all over. And you're back with it, and it's okay. But in the heat of a contraction, like, nothing else exists. Like, yeah. I genuinely, I could not care one bit about the fact that there were people milling around in the car park, putting their shopping in the car. Um, I vividly remember there being a... Um, DPD van who had pulled into the back corner of the supermarket car park to eat your sandwiches who stayed and watched the whole thing unfold and I remember all of that Um, and you know she was born and we were trying to keep her warm and stuff and wrapped her up Um, and I was conscious that I felt like I was losing quite a lot of blood Mm -hmm. Um, and he said I'm really sorry there's nothing else I can ask you to do other than to step out of the car and sit on the stretcher. Like, I can't, we can't lift you out because you're in the front seat of a car. Like, yeah. Um, and I was like, no, no, that's fine. Um, so got out and, and got in the ambulance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was this whole thing about, right, so you booked at the RVI, so we'll take you there. Mm-hmm. Has, anybody, has anybody got the phone number for the RVI? Yeah. And I was like, on my mobile, do you want, do you want to go and get me more? So we had this whole thing about would Joe come in the ambulance or would he drive, follow us in the car and there was all this commotion. Mm-hmm. But all the time, the, I still, still hadn't delivered the placenta. Right. Um, and that, I think, was more what was concerning because he was like, I think that's why you're still bleeding because that that's not, you've not delivered the placenta. Mm-hmm. So um, eventually it was decided that because of that, it would be a blue light transfer. So Joe mm-hmm. would have to go in the car. Yeah. Um, and... In the, main, in the midst of all this, there'd been various phone calls to my mum. Mm-hmm. So we'd call when we first left the house to say, don't bother coming to the house, just go straight to the hospital because we're going to the hospital, we couldn't wait for you. Mm-hmm. Then Joe would rang him and said, you're going to get to the hospital before we are because Laura said she wasn't going to make it. And the ambulance has just arrived. Then he rang her back and said, the baby's been born. Right. They're, they're in an ambulance. Can you go down to the maternity ward to meet her? Because mm-hmm. you're going to get, you're obviously already there. Um, so all that kind of commotion happened. As it was actually when we got to, we just pulled up outside the RBI and I delivered the placenta. Um, so by the time I got there, they were less concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was quite funny because they took us straight up to the delivery suite bit upstairs. Yeah. And then. Um, when they got there, they were like, what were you doing? He said, well, we've just brought her in. But she's already had the baby. Like, yeah, we'd rang you. Oh, we were expecting you in the birthing centre. He said, I'm not being funny. I don't think that's where she needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then there was the whole sort of checking me over and stuff and yeah. maybe checking 
of her. She was absolutely fine. She was a, a dainty nine pounds one. Wow. So quite a lot bigger than Lucas had been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd had this idea, obviously, the whole time I was pregnant, that a second birth was going to be better because it was going to be, I was going to be in the water and it was going to be a controlled delivery and that would stop um, the risk of, you know, another tear and all this. Yeah. And that would be all totally gone out the window. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually had a male midwife when I got to the hospital. Wow. And he was lovely, he was really lovely. And um, our, my mum said to us after, she said, oh, obviously, you know, I was walking along the corridor and they told us which room you were in. Um, and you can, you know, I can't imagine how she must have felt. It's been awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, uh, then I heard you laughing. I could hear you laughing. And I thought, oh, she's obviously all right. And, you know, it made her feel better. Um, but he was he was really lovely. And um, so there was some, the, the placenta had come away, but there was like some bits of tissue type stuff. I don't know what right. it was. Um, I think from the bag, I think from a, the bag of waters, mm-hmm. I think that's was like the membrane. Yeah. Um, so he said, I'm really sorry, but, you know, that's got to come out. You can't, you can't leave that there. Um, and that could, like, a lot of the bleeding stopped from that. Then he said, oh, and it was almost exactly the same words as when I'd had lupus. It's just a third degree tear. It's ever so slightly. And it, I essentially had exactly the same thing again. Wow. Um, and... The, he said, "We'll get the obviously we'll get the consultant in to, to have a look at it and stuff." But yeah, now I've cleaned out all of that, like the membrane tissue and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what's there. And um, I was like, "Okay." And he's like, "You've taken this remarkably well." And I said, "Well, this is exactly what happened last time, so mm-hmm. I'm not worried about it because I know what to expect." Yeah, I'm not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, he was like, "Oh, great. Okay then." Um, so consultant came along and checked and again said exactly the same thing we could maybe repair it in the room blah 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 and I was like no no let's not take the chance let's do it and Asa just came along um, and she said so this happened before I understand and I went yes and she went and you had a spinal and I said yes and she said and you were happy with that and I went yes and she went well we'll do that again then yeah right <laughs> great and it was just it was really surreal but I think and she said, um, can I ask why you didn't go for a, a section? And I said, well, I'd hoped to avoid this. But what I'd hoped for was to give birth in the water, in the birthing centre with a nice, slow, controlled delivery. Mm-hmm. And I didn't anticipate a baby two pounds bigger than the last one. So I think given that I had her in the car really fast and she's nine pounds, to just get away with the same thing again is probably actually not bad. Um, mm-hmm. And she you know, just sort of laughed and I was like, but, you know, I feel fine about it. Um and the difference this time, I think because I wasn't properly booked in or anything anywhere, mm-hmm. um, they went to take me down the corridor and the anaesthetist said, oh, let's have a look. Where's the baby? And I said, oh, she's, she's with her dad and my mum and back in the room. They're finishing because I'd start to like, dress her. Um, yeah. And then they were taking us down to theatre, so they were finished not putting her clothes on. And they were like, no, 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 baby has to stay with you. Baby has to stay with you. And I think it's because she wasn't all tagged up and stuff right um so we had to stop in the corridor until he brought her and then she was in a little plastic box in the corner while mm-hmm. i was um in 
completely. Although she wasn't in there the whole time because Denise just did say, do you mind if I go and get her and have a cuddle and I'll come and show her to you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But that was, yeah, that was nice that, you know, something else to think about while you're having stitches done. Yeah. Um, and then, same thing, got back to recovery, no toast. Still, still oh, never had toast after I've given birth. I feel hideously cheated. Um, and... But I did get a cup of tea this time, actually, that's not true. I did get a cup of tea in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I did I did have shaking again, actually, but not as bad. Yeah. And the only downside this time was they took them ages to take us round to the ward because d- different things kept happening and emergencies kept coming in. Yeah. Um, so eventually Joe and my mum left. Um, and I, just, I, felt, I felt fine about it, I think probably because I had a baby before. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, look, she's basically just going to want to feed and be cuddled and you know I don't I don't need you to do that um because I'd had a spinal I couldn't get out of bed anyway so you know um so they eventually took us around to the ward um and yeah the next day I came home um I just I wanted to be home um yeah Eden wasn't going great but I think because of what I'd learned the first time around, I knew that staying in hospital any longer probably wasn't going to help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the big difference, which I think impacted then what happened later, was that whereas first time around I'd been sent home with quite strong pain relief, mm-hmm. this time I got given a packet of ibuprofen. Right. And asked if I could buy me one paracetamol, which obviously I have no objection to that. But I was like, is this is this it? Like, And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And the following day, the midwife came to see us, and I was like, um, why why do they give different pain relief now? Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't know. She said, women do not cope as well without it. And I went, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been waiting for you to come because I've really struggled. And it's even worse this time because I've got another child to look after. Yeah. And we did help and stuff, but, you know, he's still there. And um, I was like this is so much worse than last time. And she said, oh, I know, I'd, you know, ring your doctor. And I had quite a battle with the doctor to get some stronger pain relief. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of days to actually get them to agree to it and eventually prescribe it and stuff. Yeah. Um, and during that time, I felt horrendous. Oh, no. Um, we really struggled with feeding mm-hmm. because it, everything looked right. And obviously I'd done it before by this point, so I knew what I was looking for. Yeah. And... Um, and everything looked right. Like, she didn't look like she wasn't positioned properly or anything like that. And it just, everything hurt so much. Mm-hmm. Again, the breastfeeding support lady just turned up um, the day after we got out from hospital at, like, 8 o'clock. Um, and we had her out. Uh, she must have been out three or four times, or one of the team came out three or four times. Yeah. And it was so lovely. Um, but I was really struggling. And... I felt, I just felt horrendous. That's the only way I can describe it. Like, everybody part hurt. Um, And then I got to, she was, she was 10 days old. Actually, she was 10 days old. It was Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then I was due to be discharged from the midwife. So she came out and said, I'll, I'll check your stitches and stuff when I come back at 10 days. And I was like, right, okay. And then the midwife walked in and I said, she said, how are you? And I went, I feel awful mm-hmm. she went 
you don't look very well. And I said, well, and in the night I'd woken up and I had a big red patch um, on my left boob and I was like, it's mastitis, that's why I feel so horrific. Yeah. I've, it's not just recovering from the birth and being tired and, like, I've actually got an infection, oh, that, you know. And she looked at it and she went, yeah, that's definitely it. Um, I'll bring you doctors, I'll get you some um, antibiotics prescribed and hopefully, you know, 24 hours, you know, it's amazing how quickly they take effects off it. Yeah. Great. Check my stitches, my stitches are absolutely fine. Um, rang the doctors and the doctors were like, no, we can't help you. Oh, my. And she's like, but I'm the community midwife and I'm telling you, I can, I'm looking at the, the patient right now and she needs antibiotics. All you need to do is prescribe them. No, no, she'll have to ring 111. So at this point, I'm like almost in tears because when you don't feel well, you just you just can't be bothered. Yeah. And obviously your hormones are like all over. Mm-hmm. Um, so she said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm absolutely mortified. I'm so sorry, but that's what they're suggesting. And I was like, it's fine. It's not your fault. Like, you know, you, I've, watched, I've watched you make the phone call. It's not... Mm-hmm. Um, so in the meantime, I contacted my mum and um, Joe's parents had actually taken Lucas for the day because I'd been struggling. Yeah. And, you know, we were both knackered. And so they'd they'd taken him for the day anyway. And she said, oh, I'll come through. And even if I just have to sit and hold the baby for a couple of hours so that she'll stay asleep and that you can get some sleep, like, mm-hmm. both of you. Anyway, I rang her and I said, um, I rang 111, they've booked us an appointment um, could you, when you come through, will you take us for the appointment and Joel will stay with the baby? Because obviously I didn't want to take a newborn into a hospital. Yeah. Which is out of hours GP appointment was going to be. So yeah, no problem. So three o'clock was my appointment. I got there, got straight in and the on-call GP was like, right, so you think you've got mastitis? Can I see? Yeah, that's fine. Showed him and he was like, oh, you've, well, you've definitely got mastitis then, haven't you? And I said, yes. And he then he took me temperature and he said, um, do you, how do you feel? And I went, well, I feel like I've been hit by a bus, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Said, mm, yeah, you can't, I can't just prescribe your antibiotics and send you home. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so what do I need to do? He said, you need to go and sit out there and then a nurse will bring you in and we're going to need to take some bloods and stuff because I'm really worried about you. Right. Oh, right. And again, it's a funny thing because... I knew I felt horrific, mm-hmm. but was that because I just had a baby and I wasn't sleeping very well and I had mastitis and, yeah. you know, and um, so I came back out and my mum had actually dropped us at the door and gone and parked. So by the t- I'd already been in and seen the doctor and come back by the time she parked the car and walked in. And she was mm-hmm. like, oh, Mitch, have you, has he done this? And I said, oh, no, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he'd taken my temperature and my temperature was something like, 38.7 mm-hmm. at that point so then by the time the, mid- the nurse practitioner called us in and chatted to us and blah 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 she, it was 15 minutes later she'd taken my temperature mm-hmm. and my temperature was up to 39 point something yeah. within 15 minutes and she said right yeah you're not going home you know and I was like what yeah. she's like yeah you're not going home you're going across the corridor and you're getting into that bed Um. And then a couple of doctors came in and a, another nurse came in. Two nurses came in. Mm-hmm. And, and I ended up, within the next half hour, I'd had oral morphine, I had fluids going, and I had two different types of antibiotics. 
Right. And they were like, yeah, you what's classed as a potential sepsis case. Okay. I was like, but I thought I just had mastitis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, they said, no, no, I mean, you obviously have got that, but we think there must be some other infection because your temperature's at 40 degrees now. Mm-hmm. Um, on paracetamol, I'd had paracetamol on a drip as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, I had a, but you know when you've got like the flu or cold or something and you've got a temperature but you feel cold? Yeah. So I had a scarf and a cardigan and stuff on and this poor male nurse was like, I'm really sorry, you're going to have to take that off because you are too hot. Like, you, you need to take those off. We need to get your temperature down. And the paracetamol will kick in, but I need you to take your layers off because you're just too hot. And I was like, oh. Um, so that happened. And eventually, all the various drugs they've given us start to kick in and I start to feel a bit better. Mm-hmm. He said, the thing is, your paracetamol is going to wear off and your temperature is going to go back up. Um, and we still don't know what the cause of the infection is. So although we're treating you with two different antibiotics, there's still a chance that neither of those could be the right thing. It's unlikely because the two that they use cover various things. Mm-hmm. But we don't know until we know what the source of the infection is. Like, you know, we can't. So um, I had to be transferred from that hospital, which doesn't have a proper maternity ward, right. to Sunderland Hospital. Um, because obviously they wanted to keep the baby with us. And that was one thing I was quite pleasantly surprised by. They were quite keen. They were like, Where, where's your baby? And I was like, oh, she's with my husband, because I thought I was just coming to pick some antibiotics up. And I thought, why would I bring her into the hospital? You know? Yeah. They were like, no, no, you need to get her in. We want her with you. And they were very, very keen to make sure uh-huh. that the baby stayed with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they transferred me to Sunderland and... That was a bit of a nightmare by the time we eventually got a room and stuff. They tried to, ended up having to send Joanne, my mum, home. And then at like quarter past midnight, she came in and said, oh, your temperature seems like it's been fine for a while now. You can go. I said, well, I can't go anywhere. I've got a 10-day-old baby and nowhere to get home because I was just waiting for a room. Yeah. That wasn't great. Um, and actually, in the long run, it was the, I was right. I stood my ground because about an hour later, the dose of paracetamol wore off and my temperature shot back up again and that mm. kind of was the pattern for about two days right. um, and eventually uh, was the Thursday I think I got taken into hospital yeah so I was in Thursday night Friday night and got home like six o'clock Saturday night mm-hmm. um, and the difference I felt after those couple of days was uh, like unbelievable and wow. um, and all this time, I'd thought feeding hadn't been going very well because the positioning was wrong. We, at one point, looked into whether or not she might have a tongue tie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually just think that it wasn't the position. I just think every area of my body was so sensitive because of this infection yeah. that it wouldn't have mattered what I'd done. It would have been painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just hadn't occurred to us that that could be what it was. And I suppose because... Even when the midwife checked my stitches, there was no sign of an infection or anything there. So that would be typically where you would look for it. Um, Anyway, I felt like a thousand times better when I got home. Um, And everything was better. Like, Iris was sleeping better. So you wonder how much of whether it was because I felt rubbish or you don't don't know. You don't know how much passes on to them, but she seemed more settled. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I'd been home about a week, 
like the following Friday, I think, and I got a letter from the doctors to say that they'd actually found I had a urine infection um, and had suggested a different course of antibiotics again, but they were the same ones I'd had when I'd been pregnant for the group B strep. Right. It made me ill. So I rang the doctor and I said, I've got this letter, but please don't make me take them. I- I'm happy to take something else, but please don't make me take them because I'm only just feeling normal again. Mm-hmm. I know I reacted badly to them last time. But, you know, do I need to take them? Because I've, I came home on, on an oral course of, of two different antibiotics, as it was. Um, and she said, I, I tell you what, why don't you just pop a sample in and we'll check. And if the infection's cleared anyway, then we don't need to do it. And, and that, so that was fine. So I avoided another course of antibiotics. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those things like everybody around us, I'd say midwives, I'd say the breastfeeding support, um, you know, various people. And I did had said, you know, I feel really rubbish. But, you know, I just had a baby, so... And she wasn't sleeping. Yeah. And, um, yes, I, after after recovering from that, I was still tired. And, you know, she's still not great sleeping now. I'm still tired now. Mm-hmm. But it's different to feeling fit, healthy and normal, but a bit tired to... You know, I couldn't stand up without massive effort and, you know, I had no colour in my face or anything like that. Um, and it was it was worse than giving birth. Having this infection was worse than giving birth. And I, it's just something I wish I'd known. I wish I'd known that to maybe question it a bit earlier and maybe it wouldn't have gotten so bad or whatever. Because mm-hmm. um, it was, you know, those first probably up to two weeks i mean once i once i was in hospital that was much much better yeah um, but those the, definitely those first 10 days and um you know my mum said uh, she's never she's never in my whole life and i've had all sorts of illnesses like we all do she's like, i've never seen you so poorly you know mm-hmm. you looked when you walked out of the house to get in the car for me to take you for the appointment i got a real shock because i just expected Mm-hmm. You know, you said that you thought you had mastitis. I didn't expect you to look so unwell. Um, yeah. And it was after that, then I was like, oh, feeding actually is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, a bit like a brother, took a bottle without really too much of an issue. She had to have one bottle when I was in hospital on that occasion, but was only one. Um, she only missed one feed. They were quite keen for us to carry on feeding as well. They really were really supportive with that. Yeah. Um, and then didn't really have a need to give her a bottle and then she refused and it's still she's she was one in October she's still feeding now and wow. will yeah she's uh I never thought I would never thought I would feed for this long um I didn't really have a view either way I've always kind of taken the attitude of when I've had enough I'll have had enough mm-hmm. um but what you don't bank on is that they have to agree to that <laughs> um yeah. and she does not want to give up so we're trying to negotiate that at the moment um because <laughs> it is funny that you know she's she's at nursery three days a week all day mm-hmm. and goes all day absolutely fine loves her food eats everything they put in front of her and then as soon as she sees me straight away she wants to be fed yeah and 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 how is your overall transition from one to two until now um, how's that going for you it's been okay, you know. Um, my little boy is actually autistic. Right. So it was quite difficult, um, and because he's he's 
pre-verbal, so he doesn't have the language. You know, you can't you can't gauge from him necessarily how much he understands from what you're telling him. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did we did talk to him about the baby, and you know, he used to kiss the bump and things like that. And he had kind of we talked to him about it, but I don't know that he knew how to translate that into what was actually going to happen. Yeah. Um, and he just sort of. Um, I think for a long time, he just thought she was like another cat. I really do. I think he sort of viewed her in the same way that there was this other thing that was here. I don't, you know, that sounds really bad, but honestly, I think that's the case. Mm -hmm. Um, And he would be fine with her. He was, he's not a particularly jealous child. Mm -hmm. um, So that's been helpful. Um, And we were fortunate that we were able to, keep him in nursery three days a week as well so he was still getting that time where somebody he was their sole focus um and his routine was maintained and all that kind of thing um and now she's obviously older she adores him like she's obsessed with him um Mm -hmm. and he's very very tolerant of her um you know, he's, if he's sitting eating and she'll reach across with her hand and just take his food off his plate and things like that. And yeah. yeah. But she is very sweet with him. She wants kisses from him. She wants cuddles from him. Um, and he kind of tolerates her. Sometimes he can be a little bit sensitive to noise. He's not massively, but he can mm-hmm. be a little bit so Sometimes the crying and things can upset him. Yeah. Um, but we're lucky that he also sleeps through. Or he would probably sleep through a bomb going off, to be fair. Right. Um, so... We had a couple of nights when she very, very first came home that he woke up in the middle of the night a little bit upset because she'd been crying. Mm-hmm. But after the first couple of weeks, that that's gone and now he never stirs. Doesn't matter how many times she wakes up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just the learning to juggle um, things that I've probably forgotten about. Like, you know, you go out shopping and you get back to the house and you've got five bags in the boot and you've got a baby. Yeah. And, all those kinds of things and, and taking them both out together, which we haven't had as much of a chance to do as we would normally, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when we have been able to, it's been, it has actually been really nice. Um, Amazing. Amazing. Very, she's a very different nature to him. He was very chilled. Um, but I think probably a typical boy in a lot of ways. Very mm-hmm. chilled, very laid back. Um, always liked a lot of cuddles and things very affectionate um but but generally pretty pretty easy going iris not so much um <laughs> it's just she knows what she wants um yeah. and she's got a lot to say about it um and there's there's no denying what she wants she's very very clear um and but on the flip side she is very funny she is she's got very very funny faces so we let her off because she's cute Um, (laughs) but yeah it's um generally you know we are lucky that we've got a lot of family and stuff around as well so even though we've had restrictions and things Mm -hmm. we still we have still had support and joe's parents were a lot of help when iris was first born in looking after lucas for us so we did get a bit of time to adjust and stuff um Mm -hmm. and that that has been a huge help um but yeah, it's just it's it's you find a way, don't you? You just find a way. Yeah, um, definitely. Think like, do we bath them together? Do we bath them separately? You just find what works best. Exactly. Um, 
and you you eventually fall into a routine mm-hmm. um of course then something like covid comes along and ruins your routine but um <laughs> we all have that problem so mm-hmm. um yeah mm-hmm. i think we've decided we'll keep them i think it's too late to send them both back <laughs> yeah yeah possibly might be an issue with that. i think it's past the returns window right now <laughs> Oh, honestly, I'm so thankful that you've come on today and shared all your experiences. It's honestly been amazing. I'm just, I'm conscious I've talked for a long time. No, you're all right. I'm just, uh, it's great to hear your story. No joke, I'm really grateful for it. Um, And obviously feel free to edit out whatever is not interesting. Because <laughs> um, it's, it's hard sometimes, isn't it, when you're talking through things and you're like, oh, is that... Oh, and then I forgot to tell you that bit. And, um, and yeah, no, feel free no, no, it's been great. Thank you so much. No problem. I've really enjoyed doing it, actually. Um, 